This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 255, Post-COVID Underwriting Secrets with Ryan Nimsek. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Thank you, financial revolutionaries, for joining me for this week's episode. I really appreciate each and every one of you, and each and every week we get to do this. It's such a pleasure, and this is one of those episodes this week I've just been looking forward to doing for a very long time. If there was ever going to be somebody out there in this great big world who would know the truth about the last few years and the pandemic we've all gone through... I would expect it would be underwriters at major life insurance companies. You see, guys, they deal with mega data every day. The law of large numbers, it's literally what they use. And they're looking at the health trends, the mortality trends. They're looking at everything that we have been hearing about on the evening news. They look at how the data impacts our personal lives, both on a health basis, but also on a financial basis. And so it's such an intriguing line of work. I know it sounds wonky to bring on a life insurance underwriter, but I'm telling you guys, they are real people and they have a big part to play in making the bank on yourself strategy hum and work and so usable for millions of Americans across the country. That's why I'm so pleased to bring this enlightening episode to you today. Ryan Nimsek, our guest today, is the senior underwriter at Security Mutual Life Insurance Company of New York in Binghamton, New York. Many people wonder if there's some sort of limit to how many bank-on-yourself designed policies you can own. And that's a common question I get. You know, is there some sort of limit when they figure out that they can own more than one policy? And that's a big aha moment for a lot of people. The next question oftentimes is, how many can I have? And the short answer is there's literally no limit. There's no entity that tells you that you can no longer buy more life insurance. The government doesn't have a cap on it. Corporations don't. Your employer doesn't care. But there is a limit on the amount of death benefit or insurance the underwriter will approve you for. And Ryan goes into this in great detail. So if you've ever wondered, how many policies can I buy? Ryan's got your answer down to the number. So listen very carefully to what he has to say about that. Another aha moment I had, and I think a key question a lot of people bring up is when they're still exploring this concept of bank on yourself, people wonder if insurance companies are just raking in the money, uh, these premiums that we're paying them over the years, and then cheating people out of their death benefits when the insured passes away. Now, setting aside the fact that's totally illegal, and the fact that would be uh, exposed on the evening news, and the whole thing would just fall down like a house of cards, I still want to know, is it possible for insurance companies to collect all your premium and then never pay out a death benefit? Well, Ryan and I get into this concern, and it's specifically in the contestability period, the first two years of your policy. So listen carefully for that if that's a concern that you've had or had lurking in the back of your mind. This is one of my favorite recent episodes. Ryan's a great guy, just a great guy to spend time with. He's also a really intelligent man who's who's really helped a lot of families across this country achieve their financial goals. So I want to stand up and give him a virtual round of applause from all of us here. So thanks for joining us, Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the show. Mark, good to be here. Always a pleasure chatting with you. 
Absolutely, man. You and I typically are on the phone working on some pretty sophisticated financial plans and strategies and overcoming underwriting hurdles. Before we get into all the fun insurance stuff, tell us about Ryan outside of work. I hear you're a pretty mad, crazy Syracuse basketball fan, and you even had something happen at your wedding to just show us all how big a fan you are. Tell us that story. Yeah, I've been a Syracuse basketball fan for a long time, for better or worse. It's been a lot of good and then some pain recently, as anybody who likes sports knows. There's some heartbreak involved, but actually uh, two and a half years ago, I got married on a Syracuse basketball game day and had the uh, DJ announce the score, the halftime score of the game right in the middle of the reception. And uh, <laughs> wife was caught off guard a little bit by that. Definitely been a big fan for a long time. Hey, you got to set the values of the family up straight early on, right when, right, it, right there in the wedding, if you have to, man. So she, under, she understands, and I was, <laughs> I was already made. I was the one making the big commitment there. I was the one who was missing the game. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Hey, you got to know your priorities and who comes first. And I'm just joking. That's great, man. That's awesome. So we brought you on for a lot of reasons. Syracuse basketball probably is the most important thing we'll be talking about, but there's some other important stuff we need to discuss. And you are the senior underwriter at Security Mutual Life Insurance of New York. Please, first of all, tell me, one, what does that mean? What do you do all day? And mm-hmm. two, how did you get to that spot? Tell us that story, too. <laughs> so to get to be an underwriter, it's not like something you go to school for. It was I was working in a different department at Security Mutual, and a trainee position opened up for underwriting. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is more money. I, I don't have a clue what underwriting means, but I'll take a little bit more money. And uh, I applied got the job and I had no idea what I was doing. I stumbled in and it was something you obviously learn things as you go. But when somebody applies for a life insurance policy, say through you, you submit the application that comes to me and I do all of the review of the application. If there is an exam as part of the application, in a lot of cases for larger policies or in case where we're trying to justify a face amount, we'll get tax returns. So I review a lot of tax returns and you piece this all together. In certain cases, there'll be medical records where we'll request medical records from the, uh, your client's physician, personal physician and review those. And then you kind of lump all this together and really assess the risk of the client. What kind of medical impairments do they have? Do they do any race car driving or scuba diving or, you know, what kind of financial risk are they or how's their motor vehicle report look like? So there's a lot of pieces that get tied together. And ultimately we come up hopefully with the best offer we can, that something that is good for you and good for your client, also good for us. You've probably seen about everything on those, (laughs) on those questionnaires, right? Whether it's scuba diving in old abandoned pirate ships. I don't know if there's a or or, uh, skydiving Mm -hmm. uh, over a volcano. Can you tell us (laughs) one of the crate, of course, keep confidential data confidential, Mm -hmm. of course, but what's one of the most interesting or craziest stories you've seen or or come across your desk? Oh, geez, that's a tough one. We see a lot of weird things doing this job. You you learn that just really how diverse of a culture we have. People from all walks of life, even just cases of yours that I can think of that come to mind. I've seen cases on real estate investors, small business owners, large business owners, chiropractors. I think we've had some professional athletes, just very unique people doing all different kinds of things. But 
probably the weirdest one I saw was, and it was actually a really unfortunate story. A guy did uh, competitive boat racing, but he did not disclose that on the application. And he died in a boat race like a year after the application and a death benefit at that point because it's contestable within two years. So any kind of misrepresentation within two years, we can investigate. And he was a speedboat racer going at very high speeds and we ended up passing away in a, in a race. Ryan, I want you to unpack this because for a lot of our listeners, this is the first time they're hearing words <laughs> like contestability period and investigate. Mm-hmm. Many people just assume that the death benefit is going to be paid irregardless. But mm-hmm. there is another subsection of the population who thinks that mm-hmm. these insurance companies are just out to take all your money and they <laughs> promise you this death benefit and no one's getting paid and it's a big scam. <laughs> so one, that's not true. I've seen the death benefit mm-hmm. sent out and I see clients and unfortunately have passed away since we started working. So I know mm-hmm. death benefits are happening, but mm-hmm. tell us what you mean when you say contestability period and investigate to just describe what's going on mm-hmm. there. So the only time that we would investigate or look into a death claim would be in the first two policy years. Anything beyond two years will be paid, you know, unless there's some, some legal issues that would be really high end stuff, but just, we'll go a basic, you know, within two years, say, say we issue a policy for uh, the best risk class possible. And meaning this person is a healthy person healthy person, no health issues, everything looks good. And then say they die within, within those first two years, it will be looked at by our claims department and they will possibly go get medical records and pharmacy check. And they'll do a lot of the, the back end underwriting that we usually do up front. They'll get all of that data and say, well, this person had heart disease or they had a stroke shortly before the application or they had diabetes, something that would have not allowed them to either be issued a policy or be issued a policy for the class, the risk class that they were provided with that policy. Now there's a, there's a suicide provision as well. Can you speak about that as well? Yep. There's a, so there's a two year suicide. It's the same deal as the contestable period of a claim. So if you commit suicide within two years, that death, death benefit will not be paid. And there is that provision right in the policy. And that's, that's what we call adverse selection, right? Uh, this is an obvious and needed part <laughs> of your business because I hate to say it, but some people get the idea that if they just, uh, if they're in mm-hmm. such a desperate financial situation, they start thinking mm-hmm. about Hey, I'd be better mm-hmm. off not around here. My family would mm-hmm. be better off not around. So I get that there's a reason to protect the insurance company because this is obviously the long-standing financial strength of of the insurance company is built on making good choices, and that's you are kind of the front line for making these choices. Is that what is that so, like? It, it's stressful at times. There's a fine line between being too aggressive or too conservative. So we want to be able to issue enough policies to be profitable, but we want to make sure they're priced correctly, put into the correct risk bucket to make sure that we're profitable. And it, you know, it's a fair price for the client and for us. If we put a ton of bad business on the book, we're paying out early claims where you know, we're not profitable. That's not good 
for the long-term sustainability of the company. And we've been around since 1886, paying claims since 1886. By the way, that's unbelievable that I you saw, can even say that. It's a funny story. I saw a sign. I was down, in a, I'm in a wedding in a couple of months and I was down in downtown Binghamton right by the Security Mutual building yesterday. And it's Security Mutual week in Binghamton. So there's signs everywhere. And it said Security Mutual since 1886. And I was like, has it been that long? Like you kind of forget. And I was like, gee, I was born in 1986. I was negative yeah. 100 when this company <laughs> was founded. And I just sat there and looked at it. I'm like, that's, it's amazing. Absolutely. So it goes back to accepting good risks, making sure they're priced correctly, put into the correct risk bucket. And it's, you know, it's a bigger picture. It's sustainability for us to make sure we have the funds to pay those claims at the time that they need to be paid. We've been doing it for 136 years. That's incredible. And and it goes to show that you and underwriters before you have been making good, mm -hmm. smart choices about mm -hmm. people and their financial life and their health life. I guess that also brings up another idea that this was a very unique last two <laughs> years uh, in, <laughs> in our world, both from a financial standpoint mm -hmm. and a health standpoint. We just went through a worldwide pandemic and there was market volatility, still is plenty of you know, economic turbulence, if there was ever going to be a time where a life insurance company could buckle under the weight uh, and the pressure, mm -hmm. I assume it would have been during a worldwide global pandemic. But as I recall, Security Mutual was essentially business as usual. Can mm -hmm. you speak about that the last two years? <laughs> speak about the last two years, jeez. Just been a, a, unbelievable, you know, and it's and it's not just exclusive to the insurance industry. I everybody has been touched by COVID in one way or another. Whether yeah. it's you've lost a family member, you poor experience with COVID yourself, or your job, everybody on this planet has been impacted one way or another. So it's just it's a really just incredible thing that's that's gone on. But as far as us, COVID. We were working in the office up until it was March 16th, 2020. And uh, our chief underwriter, our boss at the time, he came and said, you've got a half hour to pack your stuff up and you're going home. I'm like, okay. Wow. <laughs> and uh, we have not gone back to the, I haven't gone back to the office since, you know, there were a lot of changes early on with COVID. Nobody really knew how to underwrite these cases where somebody had had COVID or was at a high risk for COVID or having adverse outcomes if they were to get it. So it's been, you know, an ongoing change from an underwriting standpoint over those couple of years from restrictions to cases where somebody has some of those impairments that they might not fare as well with COVID. And, you know, those have changed over the years. And now we're, we're business as usual. We have, we're one of few companies out there with no COVID restrictions. It's pretty much business as usual, which is pretty remarkable. Oh, that's fantastic. How did underwriting change as a result of going through this pandemic? You know, I, I think a lot of places from what I've seen, and, you know, I talk to advisors and agents all day, pretty much. And, you know, I hear stories from other companies, what other companies are doing and kind of, I'm always curious what other places are doing. I think we've been one of the more aggressive companies out there as far as restrictions and guidelines, but how it's changed. I think you still look at people that 
really still might not fare as well if they were to get COVID. The people with that are overweight with heart disease and severe asthma and pulmonary issues, maybe you look at that a little bit differently. But, you know, with the advances now, there's been advances in treatment. There's been advances in vaccinations. There's been advances just understanding the virus. So I think overall, we feel pretty comfortable in being able to offer, you know, even if somebody had COVID, we're generally comfortable offering 15 to 30 days after their symptoms have resolved. So a pretty short amount of time. Are there any issues after someone gets COVID or long, what's it called? Long haul COVID? Do you mm-hmm. see any, any related health symptoms that way? And what about those who might be affected by vaccines in some way or another mm-hmm. or other or other forms of treatment? Do you notice anything mm-hmm. from your anecdotal experience? Very minimal. We haven't seen too many issues. It's been very rare cases where you see somebody with an adverse reaction to a vaccination. I've seen a few instances of the long COVID. Generally, the symptoms I've seen is just fatigue and headache. Mm-hmm. Those are the two symptoms that I've seen most with insureds applying. But very few and far between, if, if you can believe that or not, it's been a relatively small amount. You know, I really think you are in a very interesting position. I mean, unfortunately, the vaccine and also the virus itself has been a kind of a political football in some ways. <laughs> but I love being on the sidelines of your front and center work. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because there's a profit motive for you to seek out the truth here. There's not a Mm -hmm. political motive. It's just, you know, Mm -hmm. the the ongoing business profitability of Security Mutual Mm -hmm. to to make the best decision on who should get a policy and who wouldn't or shouldn't Mm -hmm. get a policy. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate your insight there. That's awesome. What about those who have not gotten COVID? Is there Mm -hmm. any risk to them not having COVID? I mean, you know, in other words, some people get it and it's kind of just a little cold. Other people, mm-hmm. it's it can take you all the way out. So mm-hmm. for those that haven't gotten it yet, any risk there that you can see? I hope not because I haven't had it yet. Oh, good. <laughs> hey, all right. Good to hear. I'm one of, one of few people, it seems like now anymore. But, uh, you know, as far as I can tell, I don't think it's really going to, you know, impact. I think from everything I've read, it sounds like everyone on this planet at some point is going to get it. It just seems like a matter of, you know, when, not if. It's underwriting, you know, in general, it's, you know, you're accepting the risk. And that's a big part of what we do. It's accept risk at what cost. So it's it's risk management. So these insurance contracts allow policies to be paid and, and grow until age 121. Mm-hmm. So you and I, before we hit record, we're talking about advances in medicine, not mm-hmm. just around the virus, but cancer and blood mm-hmm. pressure medicines. And is there a day that you see coming where we might hit some sort of horizon point on our life expectancy where we might have folks living to 150 and beyond? What are your thoughts there? It's going to get some of these mechanical hearts. and uh... That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll get in line for that now. I don't know. It's tough to say. I don't think it'll be in our lifetime, but you know, with Life expectancy over the last hundred years has multiplied. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but it's probably gone up by 50 years just due to advances in medicine and vaccinations and the overall medical landscape. You know, now just treatment is so much better for, like you mentioned, cancer, for heart disease. You know, somebody goes and has a heart attack and they can put a stent in and you could be out maybe the next day, you know, and really your life expectancy isn't altered all that much. People would be surprised that with certain impairments, they might think I'm not eligible for insurance or no way I could get a policy. I have high blood pressure. I've got high cholesterol or something Mm -hmm. that we look at as relatively minor as long as it's controlled. But 
people might think that would negate them from getting life insurance. And it's almost the opposite. Those are the cases we look for that are, you know, have treated conditions well controlled. You know, Security Mutual is one of the companies that I look to first when I'm thinking about the bank on yourself design of whole mm-hmm. life insurance. And that's for our listeners. They understand that concept. It's the high cash value whole life insurance mm-hmm. contracts where you can use the cash value as an asset. And of course, the death benefit is there as well for folks. As an underwriter and as a person, how do you see the bank on yourself concept? How does it fit into underwriting decisions? How does it fit into your personal life? If you want to share that, uh, just describe what is bank on yourself to, to Ryan? You know, it's something I didn't know anything about until I started underwriting. And I really, the first couple of years, I didn't know much. And then I see more and more. And, you know, you see, I see a lot of small business owners or individuals owning a business or having come into a, a, some money that they want to put into a safe tool. It's interesting. I look at it a little differently. We have to look at how much some of this money, the, the cash value, you know, what is this money you're putting in? How much death benefit does it buy? Can Mm -hmm. you afford it? You know, we want to make sure this circles back to financial underwriting. You know, we want to make sure these policies stay in force year over year over year. So it comes down to an affordability thing. So we look at things um, that way as well. But, you know, it's really, it's an impressive financial tool. It really is. You know, some of these break-even points that I see on the illustrations early in the contract. So it's it's a really good tool to, to grow your money. And you brought up affordability of the premiums and you're right. (laughs) Many folks, in fact, just today, somebody said, well, Mark, you know, what's the limit? Who could stop me (laughs) from just getting infinite numbers of these policies? And I thought about you, Ryan. I thought really there is no limit. The government's not going to stop us. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's not like there's some sort of limit in that regard, but underwriting Mm -hmm. will stop you. Can you describe what is the limit on how many policies one can have? So there's no necessarily limit. People can have you know, a hundred policies, if you want, it comes down to back to the, can you afford it based on your income, your assets? Do you have the money to keep this thing going for years? The death benefit. We don't want to ever make somebody worth more dead than alive. Right. That's just not a good situation. We don't want to end up on date signer or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So it's gotta, it's gotta make sense. We generally go based off of multiples of income based on your age, you know, that gives kind of an idea as to, you know, your financial need over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Just to step in there. So if I'm 40, 40 years old, I might take my annual income and multiply it by say 20 times. And that might be a rough idea of how many millions of dollars might be my death benefit totaling from all policies. Is that kind of the idea there? That's a general, yeah, very general statement. I don't ever want to, you know, make it a black and white thing. That's not a good way to do business. There's always outliers and people with state protection needs. So there's different means other than just income replacement, but it's a very good foundation for determining coverage. Rule of thumb. And it's just like my car. If I have a, (laughs) if I'm driving a Toyota Camry and I try to insure it for a Lamborghini, there's no way, no insurance company is going to insure my car for the price of a Lamborghini because I'll wreck my Camry and collect the- Get a Lamborghini. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So it makes total sense that there's some sort of limit on the death benefits side. So thank Mm -hmm. you for that. All right. We were talking earlier about how Security Mutual has been around for these many years. And it makes me think this is not even the first pandemic that Security (laughs) Mutual has lived through. If you go back to 1918, Mm-hmm. So you guys are good at this stuff, apparently. But yeah. there are some specific things that Security Mutual 
that really are, as far as underwriting goes, beyond just the bank on yourself designs is really something that Security Mutual really favors and helps me in my planning with clients. But there mm -hmm. are some underwriting programs that uh, really are unique. And in fact, there are 10. I don't know if we have time to go through all 10, but <laughs> can you tell us a bit about some of the special programs for underwriting at Security Mutual? Yeah, I'll try and do it as bare bones as I can. But we have we have a lot of special programs to, you know, help make your offers more enticing offers as far as your risk class, how much pre premium you're going to pay for your policy. And, and just to clarify one more time, risk class, that is sort of the the level. Can you just describe the like the healthiest person would be a like mm -hmm. a certain risk class or a less risk for mm -hmm. for security mutual? And uh, mm -hmm. someone with some health issues would have a higher risk class. Is that a good way to describe that? Yeah, we try and essentially put people into buckets. You got the best bucket, the healthiest, and then it kind of tears down, you know, and that's all based off of years and years of mortality studies to essentially assure that we're profitable and able to pay out these claims at time of death. Very good. Okay. And I'm sorry to interrupt you there. Let's let's go through some of those special programs. What are some mm -hmm. of them just to give us a taste of what you guys allow us to do through underwriting? So say somebody comes in and they have heart disease where we might add to actually have to tack on some extra premium to cover that increased risk. You know, we have a program where we could cut that down a couple classes to get you into a standard bucket, standard risk class. So it really saves you premium and it's going to help the long-term growth of your policy. So that's big. Um, that is a a and, and that's just a mega program. And I, I, just for mm -hmm. our audience, the standard is sort of your average health rating or bet, slightly better than average, you might say, whereas somebody at another insurance company might get heavy ratings with expenses. If we go through Security Mutual, you have a program that or a, sort of a procedure where you can shave some of those expenses off and give somebody mm -hmm. a much more efficient policy, meaning more cash value or less premium. One exactly. or the other. Great. Thank yep. you. All right. Trying to think what else we got. We've got, we've got healthy living programs. So if you exercise and you've had, you know, a clean motor vehicle report and your height and weight's good, and you've got a lot of favorable factors, we can use that to bump you up into a better bucket or risk class that can really help. Sometimes these classes, they can really make the policy perform better long-term. So anything we can do to, to get out the best offer, most efficient offer, make this policy really perform well, you know, that's really the goal for us. You've got express underwriting. Can you describe what is uh, express underwriting? So express underwriting is an accelerated program where we don't get a traditional exam, blood, urine. You know, it's up to a million dollars in death benefit up to age 60. It's really nice. You know, a lot of people don't want to get an exam. We try to be as least invasive as possible. You know, so this is a really good program where we can, for the healthier clients, really turn it around quickly, get you a policy quickly, make good offers. You don't have to go through that exam where you meet up with an examiner and do the blood and urine and answer all the medical questions. So really less invasive and quicker. What you're doing there is you're really just saying, hey, we are open for business. You're using those programs to indicate that you're not locking down. I did remember, I do remember several big mutual insurance companies that made some big changes right at the start of COVID. They said, no, mm -hmm. no, thank you to new applications. 
Mm-hmm. He said, no, thank you to people over certain ages and so forth. But mm-hmm. it's it's an indication of the financial strength and solvency of Security Mutual to be so willing and ready to accept people as they apply for policies. And mm-hmm. I can say having several policies at Security Mutual, it's awesome uh, working with you and with uh, the team at Security Mutual. So yeah, you guys are doing a great job uh, making it even possible for this whole bank on yourself thing to be happening. As we wrap up, what's something that most people don't realize about your work in underwriting that you think would be beneficial for them as they apply? You know, I think I'll go back to just the, what people think. I've heard so many times people say, I've got, you know, the blood pressure, cholesterol, or I had cancer 10 years ago. And they're like, I can't get life insurance. That's, that's not true. It goes back to the advances in medicine. And we're able to offer on a lot more things than, than people would think, mm-hmm. able to offer policies on a lot more things than people would think just due to seeing things over and over again. We're always looking for favorable features as well. Maybe you've had a heart attack 10 years ago, but you've had excellent follow-up and all your testing's been good and no symptoms and you're doing great. That's, that's a good case. That's a good scenario. You know, we don't necessarily look at that as a negative. That's great to hear. Yeah. Some people come and just sort of say, well, count me out. I've got too many candles on the birthday cake, or I've got too many health issues from my back. So that's a great reminder. What is the oldest age you can apply for life insurance? At age Mutual? 85. We'll go anywhere from two weeks to 85 years old. Amazing. That's yep. wow. So that's great. it's uh, very diverse, very broad age pants. Age pants. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay. Well, very good. Well, I assume that for folks that want to learn more about the topics we've been discussing today, the best website would be to go to Security Mutual's homepage. Would that be right? Yeah. SMLNY.com. So securitymutuallifenewyork.com. You can check out all our products and what we're doing in the community. And you know, Security Mutual is you know, just really a great place. We've been around for a long time. Well, Ryan, thanks for your time today. Thanks for giving us this kind of unique insight into this part of the bank on yourself revolution. It's literally not going to be possible without underwriters like you. So thank you for what you do to help so many people reach their financial goals. Absolutely. We appreciate you. Thanks again, Ryan, for coming on the show. And thank you for the insights and the conversation, the just the frank truthfulness that you bring to your discussions take a lot of the drama out of this world that we're all living in, this very dramatic world we seem to be living in, and you help us bring it back down to first principles and give us a chance to really understand the, I guess, the tools behind the bank on yourself strategy. Without underwriters, without actuaries, without bond investors, at these major insurance companies, there is no bank on yourself. So I really appreciate the hard work that goes into every contract that we get to serve our clients with all of the guarantees, all of the predictability, the dividends, the smart decisions on the death benefit and approvals on underwriting. It's a big project, guys. It's a major multi-trillion dollar industry uh, that's largely ignored by mainstream financial media and the oh so average financial planners that are out there. But I'm just so thrilled to be partners with Ryan and folks like Ryan across this industry who are making a major difference in people's lives. So thank you again, Ryan. And for any of those who are just so curious to learn more about this whole world of the underwriting space, get in touch with us if you'd like, and you can reach me at nyafinancialpodcast.com and click on request a meeting. 
And I'd be happy to discuss this further with you, explain some of the insights into the underwriting world, the tunnel of chaos that is underwriting, (laughs) and some of the ways in which we're able to help clients move smoothly through that process of underwriting so that they can get to the other side of owning a bank on yourself type contract. So go to nyafinancialpodcast.com, click on request a meeting, and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about the underwriting process. All right. Well, thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.